0: Good morning, I want to welcome you to East Tsville Baptist Church and we're so glad that you could come this morning and join us. We just take these times for granted. I think so much, but uh, we want to welcome you here today. If you're visiting with us, we also want to thank you for taking time to join us here this morning. and for whatever reason you're here visiting, maybe you're looking for a church home, maybe you're just visiting with friends. but for whatever reason, thank you uh, for joining us today and it is an honor to have you here and we encourage you if you are visiting, so please, before you leave today, please stop by our guest table and pick up a guest bag. We also encourage you as a guest, if you could fill out the care card, that's located in your bulletin um, there at the bottom, or you can scan the QR code that's there. We would love to have a record of your visit and give you a chance to communicate with us. And then we'd encourage you, if you fill out the card, drop it in the basket in the back. And also to all of our members, just a reminder, we don't always mention this, but this is a great way to communicate with us as staff. If you have a prayer need, uh, please fill that out. You can put that in the basket or just hand it to one of us. Uh, but we'd like to know if there's a prayer need that's in your life, somebody you want us to visit, um, things like that. Um, please f- take time to fill that out. But as we come together to worship, just a thought uh, from 1 Chronicles 16. Which is actually the Psalm of David, Psalm 105. It says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all of his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, and let the Lord look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. Think about this of all the hours, we have one hour that we gather out of 160 throughout the week this one hour and when this is the one time we all come together to worship and I just want to challenge you to do exactly what this says this psalm says and that is to worship him to praise the Lord it says to sing to him and I know a lot of you don't like to sing well if you can't sing just make a noise a joyful noise at least Um, but let's gather today and let us worship him because he is worthy of our praise and seek him and find today your strength and your joy in our great God. So I'm going to ask you to stand and as our praise team prepares to lead us in worship, take just a minute and welcome one another. Introduce yourself even if you know this person 30 years. Tell them your name and welcome them to the service.
1: I have several prayer requests to mention this morning, and if you've told me one and I forgot, I'm so sorry. I try to put those in my phone, uh, especially on Sunday morning. But we need to remember the family of Natalie Chapman. Many of you heard about the wreck that happened, and she was involved in it. Also remember the Tig family, a father and son who passed away in that tragic accident, but remember their family as well. Uh, Nally, thankful to say, is out of the hospital and is in church this morning, so please re- remember her in your prayers. Uh, Andy Bolick, who's typically here on a security team, um, he had a heart attack this past week, so remember he, he 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 and his family, excuse me, in your prayers. Also, Keith Childers, uh, he had successful heart surgery um, yesterday, so or Friday, just remember him and his family in prayer as they are... Um, as he's in the hospital recovering from that um, Also remember Jeff Reed Many of you uh, know Jeff um, He passed away this, this past week And remember him and his family in prayers And we'll try to get you those arrangements as soon as we know those I believe the family may be meeting with the funeral home um, As I speak today And aren't you thankful that your church can pray with you and for you And that's what this time is for And uh, maybe I didn't mention anything that pertains to you and your family, but this altar is open for you. So as the uh, choir leads us in this time of worship, if you'll meet me here at the altar, and let's pray for these requests and also pray for you and your family as well. Thank you. If you would, would you lift up those families who have lost loved ones? We say this quite often, but only Jesus can heal the hurt that comes with death. It's natural to grieve. It's also good for us to lift those up. So many, So many names I mentioned of folks in the hospital. Would you pray for them? And along with the hospital stays, not just the physical recovery, but the financial things that come along with it the emotional things that come along with it. So many names in our bulletin, and thank you for those of you who see that as a ministry, to pray for those, those names and those families, so lift them up as well. And if you will, lift this service up this morning, and all those that are in attendance and who are watching and who will watch this week later. Father, we're so thankful that we have a church that we can pray with and for. So, Father, we lift these names up to you, Lord, trusting you with him. Father, I'm reminded of last week, one of the things that we do with your will is we submit to it. Father, and that word submission means we're under something. (laughs) But, Father, I'm so thankful that you're there with us. And, Lord, Peter tells us later in his great epistle that we're to cast all our cares upon you. So, Father, that's what we're doing today. We're just casting those things upon you and we're trusting you. Father, we're so thankful that you're not just our Savior, but, Lord, you're our sustainer as well. And, Father, we pray for this service. Lord, we pray to you continue to bless. And if there's anyone here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today would be their day of salvation, Father. And we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Lord, they go down. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to look at one verse this morning. Last week we looked at following in Christ's steps whenever it comes to our suffering, and then we looked at it as it pertains to self-control, which we all battle and struggle with, and then finally the last point of last week was we need to follow in Christ's footsteps whenever it comes to Submission, and that word submission applies to submission to God's will, which none of us can change. And what Peter is telling his readers is, your, your situation is not going to change. It's, it's probably not going to change in your lifetime. Now ours can and will, we're not going to face the same things they did. And then today we're going to look at his stripes. Last week we looked at his steps, today we're going to look at his stripes. So if you'll stand with me with God's word open. We're going to look at verse 21 through 24, and we're gonna I'm going to preach out of verse 24 this morning. Peter says, For to this you were called, and if you remember that word called is the same word that applies to our salvation, which means it's sovereign, that, there's, that it's something that God has placed in your life. It's not something you caused, but it's something that he caused. He says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor is deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And that's one of the great verses in all the Bible on submission to God's will. You just trust the Lord. Isn't that hard sometimes? You just trust the Lord for your situation. And then Peter says this, who himself bore our sins in his own body, on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for our Savior's life, for the example, as Peter talks about, that he set. But Lord, he did not come to set an example. He was an example, but he didn't come to set an example. He came to die in my place, and in the place for every sinner who will place their faith in Christ. Father, we're so thankful that because that Christ died for us, and if we place our faith in him, that we can die to sin and live for righteousness. And Father, we're so thankful that because of His stripes, that we will be eventually, ultimately, healed forever. Father, I pray that we'd submit to Your Word this morning. Just as we have to submit to Your will in our lives at times if we can't change it, Lord, I pray that we'd submit to Your inerrant, infallible, unchanging Word. And Father, because of that, I pray that You'd change us forever for it. Father, we'll thank You and praise You what you alone can do, and we love you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Well, the first point here is this, that Jesus and Jesus alone can save. There are no other saviors. There's there's no uh, other person. There's no other religion. There's no other faith that is true. The only faith that is true is Christianity, and that's because Christ died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. Notice what Peter says. In the first part of verse 24, he says, who himself, look at the word himself. Peter makes that when he writes this, uh, it's emphatic, which means he, he died alone, but he's the only one who can die for your sins. One person put it this way, that he did it voluntarily. Voluntarily and alone, God took on our sins. He came into the world to save his people from their sins. Peter is simply affirming that Jesus willingly took on himself sin, and that he himself, with no outside influences, bore our sins. And that he's the only one who could do it. Nobody else can do this. I can't die for your sins. You can't die for mine. There's not another person who is qualified to die for your sins. That person has to be perfect. That person has to be virgin born. That person has to be God in flesh. And only one person can do that. Peter put it this way when he was preaching. "There's, no, there's salvation. There's no salvation in any other name. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That person is Jesus. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That's what Peter's talking about. Who himself is emphatic. Only Jesus can do this. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, said this, Christ redeemed us. From the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, because it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The only person who can do that is Jesus. The only person. So who is your faith in today? Is your faith in being a Southern Baptist? I hope not. Well, we Southern Baptists mess up a lot, don't we? I mean, we mess it up. We do good, but we mess it up. Is your your faith in a person other than Jesus? I hope not. I hope it's not. Is your faith in your church membership? I hope not. I love these tales, don't you, Steve? But we have made mistakes, and we will in the future. Not a perfect church. There's not one. Okay? Place your faith in Christ. He himself did it. He himself. is emphatic. Peter's saying, not only did Jesus do it by himself, but he's the only one who could do it. And faith in that person saves you. That's the only way you can be saved, is place your faith in that person. Right? that rose from the dead historically. That's who my faith is in today. Okay, He himself, notice the word bore, comes from the Old Testament. It's not a common word. It's only used one other time in the New Testament when it's it's applied to Hebrews chapter 9. Now notice, I, I, I share this verse all the time at funerals. It says, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, there comes a judgment, which means there's an appointed day for me. I will die, and then God in grace will judge me on the basis of Christ's righteousness because I, I'm, that's the only hope I have, right? But if you're lost today, this verse is really for a lost person, okay? It is appointed for you to die and then you'll face judgment. And you'll, you'll stand in your righteousness or Christ. The choice is yours today because who himself he bore our sins. Notice the word our, our sins. And Then it goes on to say this, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly await for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He bore our sins on the tree. Now, this is a, that, is a, that is a penalty term for sins. Israel, for example, it says, bore her sins by wandering in the wilderness. That was Israel's punishment for unbelief. God says, you will stay in the wilderness. Numbers 14 says that. God says, Your children shall be wanderers in the wilderness for 40 years and shall suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness, according to the number of days which you spied out the land 40 days. For every day you shall bear your iniquities. One day he says, you're going to bear your own sins. You're going to bear your own sins. See, some of you today are bearing your own sins, and it's, it's awful. Peter says, Jesus bore our sins. Every Jewish person would understand bore our sins. They would understand it. It's an Old Testament term. Ezekiel says, the person who sins shall die. Now listen to what he says. The son will not bear the punishment or the sins of the father's iniquity. Aren't you thankful? That that me, I will not bear my father's sins. And then he says this, nor will the father bear the sins or the punishment for the son's iniquity. He says, you're not going to bear somebody else's sin. You're going to bear your own sins. That's why I tell you, be careful how you judge another person when they struggle. Because you've got your own sins to deal with, right? You're going to bear your own sins or Christ is going to bear them for you. Ezekiel says this is, that word, bear your sins, is a punishment. sin is, is a punishment means punishment. To bear the iniquity means to be punished for our sins. One scholar put it this way, to bear sin meant to endure the penalty of sin. And that's a very important biblical distinction to make. In order to clearly understand what Jesus did on the cross, he bore punishment. The wrath of God against sin was put on him instead of us. That's precisely what it means. It means that he, when it says he bore our sins, he endured the penalty. And he did it. He bore our sins, which is personal, which means he bore your personal sins, past, present, future, in his own body. In his own body, on the tree, which means on the wood or on the cross. He had to die on the cross. He had to be lifted up. He had to be crucified. That was the plan. He even had to be hanged, as Paul said, to fulfill the curse of the one who was hanged on the tree. He had to be crucified on wood. That's, listen, to bear our sins, that's the point of the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur in Jewish history is, on one day, a priest would bear the sins on a goat or sacrifice a lamb for all the people for one year. And guess what happened the next year? You had to do it again. And then the next year, you had to do it again. And then the next year, you had to do it again. The day of atonement never stopped until Jesus Christ, as John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he bore your sin, he atoned for your sin. Therefore, you don't have to do that every year. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? He he himself bore our sins on the tree. Paul says to the church at Colossae, when you were dead in your transgressions, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And what Paul is telling the church at Colossae, and the Jewish readers really understood this, is that your sins are forever forgiven. It's not a yearly thing. You don't come to the temple anymore. You come to Jesus, and your sins are forgiven forever, not temporarily canceled, but forever forever. And Peter says this, he bore our sins. Jesus paid the penalty for every imaginable sin that you have ever committed. Think about that. See, if you're like me, your mind wanders to things nobody knows about about you. Jesus bore that sin. I shared this with you before, but when I'm in prisons, I say, Guys, Jesus Christ can forgive you of all the stuff nobody else knows about. All that stuff they didn't bring up in court. And those men will look around and go, yeah, God knows you. David said, Lord, forgive my secret faults. Every imaginable sin Jesus bore of yours on the tree. Those sins you're going to commit tomorrow, he bore those on the tree. You cannot pay for those. Only Jesus can. He says, every kind of sin, every type of sin, every sword sin, every acceptable sin. Oh, we commit those all the time, don't we? Every acceptable sin, every forbidden sin, all your past sins, all your present sins, Now think about this, only Jesus can do this in all your future sins. All of them were at one point in time placed on Christ as he hung on the cross. Past sins, present sins, future sins, he bore those. Only Jesus can do that. If you're here today and you're a Muslim, your Jesus can't do that. If you're a Mormon, your Jesus can't do that. Only the God of the Bible can do that. Is your faith in him? If not, you need to place your faith in Jesus today or you're gonna bear your sins for eternity. Trust me, you will. The second thing is this only Jesus gives life. See, the purpose of the substitutionary death is not just to save you, but to change you. Notice how Peter puts it. I love how he puts it. He says, That we having died to sins. Look at that word died. It, it, it doesn't mean like if I died today as a person, it means you have been departed from your sins to be separate. The, the word died in the Bible oftentimes means to be separate. That's why the second death is so bad. It means to be separate from God for eternity. Separate. That we, having died, and what Peter is saying is that the moment you placed your faith in Christ and trusted him to save you, that the power of sin over your life has died. It doesn't mean that it goes away. It doesn't mean you don't sin. You always we, all, we still have this old man in us or old woman in us who fights against us, but that power of sin has died. It is gone forever. That's why Peter uses these words. Notice these words on the screen. All of these are beautiful words. Legal terms about your salvation. Now, I got saved on a Tuesday night. I've told you that I don't know how many times, a hundred. And when I got saved, I was redeemed. I was legally purchased by the blood of Christ. Legally. It's It's a legal transaction. Okay, It's a legal thing that happens that I am Christ. I'm not my own, Jesus said. Your body's not your own, I purchased you, he says. It's a legal transaction, okay? I cannot come and take your car, because it's yours if you've purchased it, right? Satan can't have me because I'm Christ, he purchased me. Then justification, which is a legal term, it's a court term, which means you can never be declared guilty again, ever. It's, it's, It's irreversible, it's irrevocable, all right? It can't change. Your behavior does not change that, aren't you thankful? It's a legal term that happened because I have died to sin. Reconciliation. I've been reconciled with God. I have a father now. I have a father. I've been adopted by the Holy Spirit of God. It's a legal term. If you adopt a child, it's legal. The law says that that is your child even though you're not the blood parents, right? It's legal. Reconciled. I've been reconciled with God. It's a legal term. I am Christ. And then God says that Propitiation means that God's wrath against my sin has been satisfied. John said Jesus is the propitiation for the whole world, which means this. He can settle the wrath of God against the whole world if they'll come to him. All those are beautiful legal terms. Michael, if you'll go back to that verse before, having died is a huge word. Having died to sins, right? Which means all the sins, all those sword sins, secret sins, all those sins that I struggle with, that you may or may not, that I have died to those, which means God has given me the power to overcome them, even though sometimes I don't. Isn't that a blessing? That sin does not have control over my life anymore unless I allow it to. Those are the choices you can make today. To to die to your sins or to live. Listen, death and life are not compatible. You can't have death and life in the same person, really, in a sense unless it's talking about this. Have you ever looked at somebody and said, man, they look dead. Look at your neighbor. Wake them up. I'm just picking. I remember coming to work one day and there was a car parked up there in the visitor's parking. I thought that's odd because it's Tuesday. We're not having church. I said, they're just parking, probably using our internet. People do that all the time. So I looked out the, out the, the window and I said, they're still here. <laughs> I could tell there were two people. I said, I'm gonna go up there and see what's, going like an hour later. I went up there and they looked dead. They looked dead. I said, oh, my goodness, what would I do? So I called 911, uh, and they said, do not knock on the door and get away from the door. And I said, they said, no, do it. <laughs> so I did. And I remember the PD showed up. Thank God for them. And they said, just back up. And guess what? These people weren't dead, but they looked dead. A little Narcan can solve a lot of things, right? They, they, were hit. they looked dead, bless them. Prayed for them, and I don't know what happened to them after that. Listen, some of us as Christians, we're supposed to be alive, but your lives can be dead to a point where God has, this, God has this purpose for you, but because of the sins that you've allowed to come back in your life, oh, you're just dead on the inside. See, James says faith without works is dead, right? So you can look alive. You can look alive, but still be dead. And, and, and you can be dead, and God says, no, I'm going to bring you back to life. He says, having died to sins that I might live, look at the word, are you living? Are you living? What that means is I'm doing what God wants me to do, whether it's at whatever job you have. You know, I told you I was a tow boy. I felt like I was living as a tow boy because that's where God wanted me, and I was going to be the best one I could be. I said, I'm going to work as unto the Lord, Okay. When I look for frame stretchers, I had a purpose in that. I'm going to find that thing, all right, even though they didn't make them, okay? God forgave those guys, I think. I didn't, but I think God did. But look, that you might live. Think about this for a moment. Think, think about you, everything about you. God has something for you in your life to live. Are you living? Beautiful Greek word. Man, when Peter put that up there, these words are so amazing. Died to sins that I might live, look for righteousness. Which means God's plan for you, God's plan for you wherever you are in life is that you be a righteous person to those around you. You bring honor and glory to God in your job, in your hobbies, whatever it is that you might live. Are you living? I saw a tremendous story and I won't share the names, I'll get it wrong, but there was a lady in Chicago and when you read the article, you see these, it's the inner city, it's the bad part of Chicago. And you can read about oh, the bad part of Chicago all you want to. But there's this one block where, you know, it's, it looks bad. And then there's this clean block. It's a block, uh, clean. Do you have landscaping? you have fresh paint? It just looks fresh. And they said, the reason this block is this way is because of a lady, I think her name was Pearl. And, and I said, i got to read about this lady. Okay. So I started reading it. It talked about whenever she was younger because that part of the town was getting bad. Her parents never really really let her get out. They just didn't. Said, we don't trust anybody out here. Had a lot of kids. She had a mom and dad at home at that time, right? But eventually, as I think she graduated high school, she got out and got mixed up. And she, she said, I, I got mixed up in the wrong crowd and I became the wrong crowd. Had, I think, three or four kids by three or four different dads. All right? Got involved in terrible substance abuse, alcoholic, you name it, for 14 years or more. She said her kids would come home, she'd be passed out, and they'd wake her up. Feed yourselves, get yourselves ready. And she said, but thankfully in their community, there was a church that came by with a bus, picked up those kids, and she'd see them off, they'd come back, they'd be happy, and they'd talk about what they learned in Sunday school. She said, one day, she got up, said, she said, oh, I was high, no question about it, because she was all the time. And she said, I got on the bus with him." Now, this is what she said. She said, when she was in that Sunday school class, I don't know if she's in there, I think she was in there with adults, that the man, I believe it was a man that was teaching, maybe it was a woman, said, Jesus can forgive your sins. And she said this, no, he can't. She said, just second nature. No, he can't. Can't nobody do that. No, he can't, she said. And she said, she started arguing with the Sunday school teacher. Can't do it. It's impossible. She said, can't do it. And said, so they talked to her. And they talked to him and said, Jesus can. She said, no, he can't. He can't do it. It's too good to be true. You don't know where I've been, what I've done, all these things. And little by little over time, guess what? This lady, I think her name's Pearl, I could be wrong, gave her life to Jesus. And over time she said, oh, I had a lot of ups and downs. Can we give people grace when they get saved? See, you don't know what God pulled somebody through. You don't know. So show a little grace to them. She said, this church was so good to me. And then she said, all the ups and downs kind of went away. And what she's done is she's got a ministry to little kids just like her kids were. Teaching them, educating them, taking them to church. And she says, one thing we're going to do on my block is it's going to look like God's been here. And she cleaned up her whole block. See, what she did was she died to her sins because of Jesus, and then she lives for righteousness. That may not be God's plan for your life, but it's for her. What is God's plan for your life? Think about it. Are you living for righteousness? The only way you can do that is to die to sins. And then the final point is this. Only Jesus can heal. Notice the verse. Now, let's not get this mixed up. By whose stripes you were healed. Now, there are some faith healers out there that will say this, and people still believe it, is that because of the atonement, all your physical illnesses will be healed, okay? In this life. Now, I don't know about you, but last week I went to Baptist twice. I don't know how many times I went to Fry. I think I went to Catawba, and I believe I went to Wilkes Hospital. And all these are good Christian people, and they're not healed yet. Can God heal? Yes, God can heal. He can. Is God going to give me the ability to heal you? Nope, I don't believe he does. I've never seen it. I've never seen anybody go to Brenner's Hospital and heal one child. Now, I've seen children that are in Brenner's get healed from time to time. I've never seen one. And I would say, if you have the gift of healing and you have to have a big crowd and you have to have money, well, you're a bad healer, right? I mean, you need to go with me to Brenner's sometimes. I remember, when I hadn't been in ministry long and I was in Brenner's with, Mike Runyon who was the pastor at the time and I was the associate. And he said, we're gonna see this person from, from the church we were a part of. We prayed for that. Young child, thankfully they got better. And then a lady was out in the hallway and says, you guys are preachers, right? I said, yeah. And she said, will you come pray for my daughter? Little cute, ball-headed girl. You know what she said? She's got, she's got a very rare form of cancer. She said, she just, it's just not good. Could you pray for us? Now, if that was true, that Jesus is gonna heal everything, that little girl would be healed today. She would. That's not what that means. Listen, I prayed over that little girl and cried my eyes out. I did. My tears were on her bald head. And I said, God, if you heal her instead of me, if something's wrong with me. You ever been there? God, give her my, heal- give her my healing if, I, if you're going to heal me from something. If I could have healed her, I would have. All right? I would have in a heartbeat. That means ultimately you're going to be healed. That to be absent from this body is to be what? Present with the Lord. See, there's always this tug when it comes to praying for people that need healing. Is I believe God can do it, but it may not always be his will. It's like last week, you just submit to his will, right? I've, I've had to tell family members that. We just got to submit to his will. God may heal, he may not. Sometimes he does, don't he? It's kind of like these, I, I felt these in my pocket this morning, just when I was in my office. I have that one card, right? I have a one card. I always try to keep one in there, which means there's one person this year I want God to save. I don't even save everybody, but there's one for me personally, right? And sometimes God does. Isn't that a blessing? Okay? Sometimes God does. He's still God whether he does or not, right? But sometimes he does. And then I had this note. I don't know if Randy and Karen are here, but I got this note. Listen to this. Requesting prayer for Zach and India and their twin boys. We need God to step in and correct blood flow for baby B. had haven't been born yet. We need that. So that both twins have a chance to survive. They got to come home. Is that not a blessing? Let's thank the Lord for that. So look, sometimes, sometimes we're going to pray for people, God's going to heal them. And then sometimes he's not. You know, there's going to be a day my name will be in that bulletin, right? And I want you to pray that God heals me. But if he doesn't, I've been healed. I've been healed. Paul said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And we believe that or we don't. Well, I believe it, don't you? That's my hope today. The righteous has hope in their death. Now listen, you pray I get better. But if I don't, God is still God and God is still Good. Is he not? I want you to stand with me with every head bowed. I'm going to ask your musicians to come. And maybe you're here today, okay? And you need physical healing, and I trust God can do anything. I've seen him do it. But he may not. And, and your prayer today may be to just surrender to that. You may be here today, today, and you just don't know how God wants you to live for righteousness. Surrender and go ahead and say yes to whatever he wants you to. Before the Lord called me into ministry, I remember being in a church service, and I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Then God opened doors for me to serve, okay? Some of us in here today need to die to those sins again, right, the blessings of God funnel through the the funnel of repentance, all right? And then some of us here today have never placed our faith and trust in Jesus. And I would encourage you to do that today. You can come forward, or you can stay in your pew. All right. But after I pray, this altar is open for you for whatever you need. Okay. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to your prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, and we love you, Lord. By your stripes, we are healed. Lord, it's very humbling to read a verse about a person who has bore my sins. Who has bore my sins. Lord, I should be so forever grateful that you bore Jamie Steele's sins on the cross. Jesus, we love you, we worship you, and we honor you today. Father, I pray for the physical healing of so many people in this church. Lord, if I had that gift, I would do it today. If it even took my life, I believe I would do it today. But Lord, ultimately we surrender to your will and we thank you for the spiritual healing that we have now and we'll have one day when we're in your presence. Father, we're so thankful for the hope that we have. Father, I pray that you would touch, encourage, convict, Lord, for your glory during this invitation, and we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do, and we love you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. Thank you so much for being here today. And listen to me, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, Kevin and I both, and Justin, when they get back from children's camp, I meant to mention them this morning, would love to talk with you about that, okay? Maybe you're doubting your salvation. Maybe you just don't understand it. That's okay, I've been there myself. We'd love to talk with you about that. Listen, we love you. I don't care what you're going through in your life. This pastor loves you and we're here for you. My door is always open. And I wanna thank you so much for being here today. And listen, live for righteousness, amen. God bless you. Thank you, and you're dismissed. And hope you have a great Sunday afternoon.